This is Alex. I'm from Boston. Hello, this is Jackie, and I'm from Houston. Hey, this is Rahul from Stanford. And we are the Premier Chess. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Premier Chelsea, your source for all things Premier League, but starting with Chelsea first. Coming to you on your speakers and headsets, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm one of your hosts, Jackie, and if you followed us for a while, and maybe Rahul throws this one up on YouTube, my audio sounds different, my background's a little different. It's the closest I've been to you, Rahul, in a long time for an episode. We're still not in the same room. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. I see, I see some shots were taken on at me for not putting things up on youtube uh but i will i will get better and and um get back to youtube no 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 shots there i think we're trying to piece together a story of i'm in a hotel room i'm very close to you i'm actually in new york city this week for work we're recording this late sunday night and we actually got to meet each other for dinner which was great and for those of you who are interested in our personal lives it's it's funny because we do talk about the podcast and we do talk about (laughs) chelsea for the first 30, 45 minutes of our meeting. But after that, we try and transition away from it. But it was a good meeting. It was great to see you. And hopefully I get to see you again this week and we get to connect. For sure. (laughs) Can you tell I'm dragging out the conversation so we don't have to talk about Chelsea? But (laughs) I'll I'll pass it over to you, Raul. Why don't you tell us what you want to talk about? What's on your mind, my friend? Well, there's a lot on my mind. Uh, The fact that we haven't played the last two weekends, this one included and the one previous, uh, has been good for my mental health because I haven't had to endure uh, frustration, heartbreak, everything that we've endured this season. But of course, we did have a game midweek, which uh, I couldn't watch due to work. But before we get yeah. there, let's let's talk about uh, a manager coming in, hopefully soon. I mean, we've seen the news reports. We've seen uh, that we're in negotiation with Pochettino, uh, formerly of Spurs. PSG, Southampton. So a good background, you could say, but I know you aren't too in favor of this appointment. I think you feel like uh, maybe the Tottenham connection or the fact that he's been at PSG and not have been able to handle the personalities, the characters. Uh, so I want to start off there. What are your thoughts on Pochettino if indeed he does become the next Chelsea manager? Yeah, and if we're to believe all the news sources that are out there, I think this is not if he's going to be the Chelsea manager, it's a matter of when. And before I get into my thoughts on it, Rahul, I think this is a good thing that the management team is doing, which is allowing time for them to really think about this, talk about this, and make a good educated decision. Now, I don't know what all went into getting Graham Potter into Chelsea at that point in time, but it did seem... I think within hours of Thomas Tuchel being removed from the club, Graham Potter was linked with us and almost signed on the dotted line. And of course, who wouldn't sign on the dotted line with that kind of money thrown at you and that opportunity? Coming to Pochettino himself, I think he's a perfectly fine manager. I think he did really, really well with Tottenham Hotspurs. I think he helped them punch above their weight. I think if you look at it, they want maybe the spending power of Chelsea. They want the prestige of Chelsea. And I'm not trying to knock them down. I'm just being honest with my feelings of they've not won a lot of stuff in their history. In fact, I think in the last 30 years, I think they've won maybe an Audi Cup here or something like that. And he pushed them to a Champions League final. He got the best out of Kane and Son and other players as well that I've I've not really mentioned. So I think he has some pedigree in that front. But I'm so used to elite world-class managers coming in, right? You, You go back to when we were first supporting Chelsea and you have... 
Jose entering the, the field and he's won a Champions League and he's won stuff with Porto and he moves on and Carlo Ancelotti comes in. I don't need to speak about his history, of course. And then, you know, Antonio Conte, another big one that's won something, had done it, been there, done that with Italian teams and, and Juventus. So while I feel like there could be a potential here, I think the jury is still out as far as his winning mentality goes. I, th- I mean, I think look, that's I think that's a fair criticism of him, and the fact that he's always been the bridesmaids or the groomsmen, never actually been the the one getting getting married or saying saying his vows, um, is something that a lot of fans are going to look at and say, "Well, doesn't seem like this is what we want at Chelsea." I think we've maybe a step ahead of Graham Potter, but not what like you've mentioned some of the names or even uh, other. People like a Thomas Tuchel, who you knew what you were getting when he came in, and of course he he exceeded a lot of expectations right away. Uh, but I look at Pochettino and I look at the field of what else is out there, right? I think Enrique was in it, Nagelsmann was in it, Pochettino obviously is a name that's that has been in it. Vincent Company is one Jackie that's come up, and I'm looking around and I'm like, didn't did we learn from the Potter experiment that? Uh, it may be a step too big. I'm not discrediting or disrespecting company. I think what he's done with Burnley this season has been great. He's even changed them from that route one football, kind of what you, you call uh, in, in England under Sean Dyche, and turned them into a team that you want to watch and you want to see them play the attractive football. But that is the championship. And, and while we want to see what he does in the Premier League, I don't. I don't think we want to see that at Stamford Bridge, where he's learning on the job, like we saw with with Graham Potter. Um, some of the other names that have come up, and and the the Celtic manager. I don't want to butcher his name, so uh, he's one that's come up, and I think is a dark horse, uh, one that we don't know too much about. But again, for, I look at the field, and I'm like, I think Pochettino stands out in the sense that he knows the league. He knows how to work with the young players. And what have we done in the last six, seven, eight months is invest in young players. Yes, we have a Raheem Sterling in there and a Koulibaly in there. But ultimately, we've gone the route of a Mudrik, a Badishili, a Karni Chukameka. Um, and I'm and I'm just trying to Kukurea even, if you think about it. Malo Gusto and Kunko, who's coming in. These are all young guys that need a mentor, in quotes, or, or a coach, really that can help them develop. And I look at what he did with Tottenham Pochettino, Hyunmin Son, Harry Kane, Lucas Moura, uh, Tobia Alderweireld, Jan Vertonghen. They were all good talents. And I think he kind of developed them and got them to a point where we're looking around and we're like, why didn't we identify an Alderweireld? Why didn't we identify a a Vertonghen? So I think Mm. what he brings is is that know-how of working with younger players and the fact that we don't have a Champions League or midweek distraction next season, I think would be helpful for him to do the work on the training pitch, do the work behind the scenes. But it doesn't come down to just Pochettino. I think there's way more that the club needs to do in the sense that get rid of the players that don't need to be there, get rid of uh, players that don't want to be there, and give Pochettino a 25, 26, whatever, 24-man squad that he can work in day in, day out. And it addresses the key issues that we still need to fill, which is a striker, maybe a DM, a goalkeeper, if that's what he wants. And we work with that and we build with that. And no more do we have to sit in August and August 31st and say, 
well, why didn't we bring in a striker? We're in the market. We still need one. That's too late. I think we need to get everything done by like mid-July before preseason starts and let Pochettino do the work. Listen, to be fair with the transfers, it should be a lot more outgoing than incoming at this point in time. So they should really be doing some stuff in the background to put a few players in the market. I know ultimately that will be the manager's involvement and say, hey, I know you want to sell player X, Y, or Z, but let me step into this, you know, the seat and decide who I really want. But coming back to Pochettino really quickly, obviously there's a Tottenham link then, so that leaves a sour taste for Chelsea fans. I'm trying to keep that out of my mind, right? I want to talk about who he is. And you said something that's very important to me is as you're playing the field and looking for managers, right? We were linked with Pochettino back in the summer and he was available. And for whatever reason, we made the decision to go at Graham Potter. Well, we didn't play the field then. We broke a lot of hearts by spending 20 plus million. I think it was even more than that, maybe to bring Graham Potter. So we recruited Graham Potter and said, we're not playing the field. We're going to go out and get our man and pick our man. So with that in mind, I want to make sure that the Chelsea board go and pick their man and they're not playing the field for who's available. If there are other managers that they think are the right fit, and, and I'll refer to Nagelsmann for a quick minute. Early on in this negotiation period, they were willing to go pay for Nagelsmann. So it wasn't the money that was slowing them down. Ultimately, Nagelsmann says no, and Pochettino is who they're looking at. Does that mean he's the second favorite? This is kind of where there's some issues with how this plays about. As long as they're doing the due diligence, I don't want them to play the field and say, well, he's available, he's free, let's bring him in and see what happens because he'll get us back into this whole loop. But hopefully he's the right man to go for a project. I think if you're bringing him in, you're hoping he's there for three, four seasons. I, I wouldn't give him a seven, eight-year-old contract and kind of <laughs> stick us with that. Maybe maybe a two-year or three-year contract and have him earn the next couple of years, but more to come in the next few weeks, I guess. Absolutely. And I, I agree with you. I think... This idea of a manager is going to stay or we want someone and give them a five, six-year contract, we've seen how that's gone in the past. Not even just with Graham Potter. I think we even gave Tuchel a new contract. And, of course, that was under the Roman Empire. Uh, but we've done that with Jose Mourinho in the past where we won a title and been like, here you go, Jose, this four more years on your contract. Uh, I think we need to be smart about it. We need to do it in a way that keeps the manager hungry to say, you know what, two years, but I want to prove that I can stay here for three, four. And that gives us an opportunity two years down the line to say, you know what, Mauricio, it hasn't worked out. We're going to end it here and look for the next person. Or, you know what, it's worked out. Great. Here's another three years and, and you've earned it. So I, I do agree with you. But I think, uh, like I said, there's still a lot of work that needs to happen apart from the manager with this club. We can't just focus on the manager and be like, that's going to be fixing everything uh, because there's a lot of other issues with the club that I think we've spoken about in the past, so I, I don't want to get into. Um, but the sooner we wrap this up, Jackie, too, I think that would be helpful because we're now going into May and we want to be sure that we are giving the manager enough time to evaluate players because I'm sure Pochettino has watched games, but now he's watching with the with the eye of, well, do I right. want this player? Do I want him to be in the squad? Where do I see them fitting? Because he does prefer playing a four back four. He does prefer building from the back. He does high pressing. So all of this is going to be playing in his mind, especially if he's going to be coming in. So um, let's give him the time. Of course, Frank is here till the end of the season. And Pochettino can work kind of behind the scenes and maybe from a little bit far. But I think we, we need to get this done. And, and looking forward, instead of continuously wondering what's happening next, um, while we're on the manager, Jackie, I think 
let me touch on the new shirt sponsor that's in the works. Uh, three is going away and all the memes that we used to get with three when we used to concede three or when we used to lose three games in a row, whatever, right? I think three is on their way out and it looks like Allianz is the next maybe uh, shirt sponsor. Your thoughts on, on the next shirt sponsor in general, I guess. You know, it's been interesting because I think for several years as Chelsea fans, we associate the shirts with the titles we win. And so I look back at maybe Fly Emirates in a successful period underneath there. And I look back at Samsung in a, in a successful period over there. I'm not sure with maybe recent history, Yokohama or even three, there's too much that I can say. Of course, we won the Champions League with Thomas Tuchel. So I can say, yeah, there was something under three, but there wasn't this sustained pressure at Chelsea being at the top. And so there's like a legacy of having these sponsors. So I don't really care who comes in as a sponsor. I think it has to be good financially to help the club because obviously we need the money with what's going on. But hopefully it's one that we can build a legacy with and kind of stick with for a few years. And I want to have those positive memories coming back in with the, with the jerseys again. I agree with you. I think the financial aspect is is key. And then ultimately how Nike kind of designs this new jersey. And from the leaks that I've seen, that blue and gold looks real nice. So hopefully a nice sponsor on there that's giving us... 50 60 million um, i'm okay with go. that but uh let's move on jackie we did have a game midweek we played brentford we didn't do a preview to that i did get to talk to ray well we did the women's uh preview to the champions league about brentford and i think he said a 1-1 i felt bold enough to say we'd win that uh, i did connect with you offline and you said we were going to lose that ultimately we did lose it uh, but let me run through the starting 11 real quick for this game, and then sure. I'll, I'd like to get your thoughts. So Kepa in goal, a back three of Fofana, Thiago Silva, Chaloba, Aspilicueta, Jackie, back in the lineup. For first time since that injury uh, he picked up, I think it was against Southampton. Enzo Kovacic, Ben Chowell, Angolo Conte, Connor Gallagher, and Raheem Sterling make the front three. And before we get into analyzing and talking about the starting 11. Lampard did say Kai Havertz had a knock. Mason Mount is out for the rest of the season, maybe the last game. And then Reese James is definitely out. So your thoughts on these injuries and then the lineup? Yeah, the injuries are disappointing. I know for Reese James, it's one of those where I've heard rumors of he may need to do a surgery or something. I think Rahul, this is the time. If he needs to take the time and finish the last six games or so and just start the surgery and even miss a little bit of the first part of the season, but it can give us a fully fit Reese James that can actually play an entire season without taking that much time off. That'd be important. It's disappointing. Kai Havertz, I feel, is like a quick knock. The Mason Mount one is kind of interesting to me. I feel like he's been in and out of the shadows this season, and there's been a lot of controversy of him leaving. Will he not leave? His dad comes back, Frank Lampard, we're like instantly saying, oh, he, daddy's home. Mason Mount's going to play every single game. And... He goes in for a surgery. Still don't really know what's going on with, I think it was the abdomen, stomach part of it, and I'm not sure what caused that. So don't really get to see him play under Frank Lampard either. And so it's going to be very interesting what's going to happen because either contract talks continue from here, and I heard they've come back on because Pochettino is a fan, but it would have been nice to kind of see him wrap up the season, maybe help show what he can do in the last few games as well. Yeah, it was it was interesting because I think when you, you mentioned his dad, Frank Lampard, came back, uh, immediately we said he's going to be back in the lineup, and yeah. he wasn't. And I think we were wondering what's going on. Well, now we know what it was. It is the injury. And 
uh, even though Mason Mount made himself available, made made sure that he was part of the 18 or 11, whatever you want to say. Uh, I think Lampard knew and was managing him. Uh, so I do want to give credit to Lampard for not rushing it because long term that could have hurt the club and hurt the player a lot more than than what it was. And in a way, I think going out of the Champions League was was what we needed. I think it would have just dragged on for another month in the sense that the club, the players would have said, well, we have something to play for. We obviously still have the badge and, and the club to play for, but it's not the same as saying maybe we can make a final here. And so I'm, I'm kind of glad that the players are taking the, the necessary surgery or precaution now uh, because we want these guys fit and ready next season. And in the case of Mason, we wanted to sign that contract and be ready because uh, I'm seeing Arsenal, Liverpool, Bayern. Let's just let's just get all of this done and out of the way. Let's let him stay uh, because I know he wants to. Pochettino, from what we've read and heard, wants him to stay. So, what more do you do you want from 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 a, a player, right? So, but starting eleven, Jackie, what what is going on? We still have enough attackers in this squad. We still have enough attackers at the club. And we still continue to see Angola Conte and Connor Gallagher. You know, it's interesting because I did a lot of soul searching behind this one to understand what Frank Lampard is trying to do. And what comes up to mind, Rahul, is when he picked this team, which is essentially the same thing. I think maybe Reese James was the only one that played against Madrid. Fans were okay with it because for 60-odd minutes, we were very good. And when I say very good is we were energized, excited. We were pressuring the team, which tells me that the team was not suffering from having lack of footballing talent, but it's really an emotional thing. It really is a confidence thing. And so for 60 minutes, they're a good team. So when we come to this kind of game and people are complaining, I think Frank Lampard is trying to tell us something. And I think he came out and said it afterwards as well, if I'm not mistaken, is maybe the guys who he's not picking are not motivated. Maybe their energy levels have dropped. Heads have dropped and they just don't seem to care. I see you chuckling then. I know you want to say, well, they're still attackers at the end of the day, but You've got to look at this this way, right, Rahul? Thomas Tuchel was there. We barely scored any goals. Graham Potter came in. We barely scored any goals. Frank Lampard comes in. We don't score any goals. So at some point, is it all of these? I mean, Bruno came in for one game and nothing happened there either. So at some point, is it these managers that are just picking these attackers? It has to come back to these players. Are they motivated? Do they show that they care? Do they feel like they can come on score a goal? And maybe the answer is no. He's getting more out of N'Golo Kante and Conor Gallagher at the end of the day. If it's up to me and you, yeah, I throw the attackers on there and see what they can do. But maybe he's protecting them for next season. Says, let's just end the way it is. Someone like a Mudrik, maybe he's mentally not ready. Madueke mentally not ready. Give them a chance to settle. And hopefully that means next season they can hit the ground running. I hear, I hear you, right? And I, I'm, I guess what Lampard is trying to do is just play the players that he thinks can get the job done. And it's one thing to put that lineup out against Real Madrid, and it's another thing to put that same lineup minus Reese James against uh, Brentford. And I have no disrespect towards Brentford; they're a great side. They sit above us, so how can I even sit here and and, and discredit them? But Immediately when you see that lineup and you know how the Madrid game went, you kind of know how this is going to go too, right? Of course, there's an own goal from Espelicueta, which puts Brentford up. But I don't know, man. I'm looking at I'm looking at the bench, right? And there's Obama Yang. There is uh, Jao Felix, who 
I know some people like and some people don't like. Mudrik comes on, Medweke comes on, Christian Pulisic is there, Ziek is there. You're trying to tell me that not even one of these guys could have come in and, and done maybe an hour, 50, 60 minutes, halftime even, if you're not seeing what you wanted to see uh, in the first half. Because, Jackie, I'll read the stats for you, and it's, of course, over 90 minutes, right? But Chelsea, 15 shots, four on target. Brentford, seven shots, one on target. Possession, 73% for Chelsea, 27 for Brentford. Passes, 696 for Chelsea, 263 for Brentford. So we did have the chances. We did have the ball. I think maybe a different player. And, of course, I didn't watch this game, but from what I've heard, when Aubameyang came on, when Mudrik came on, Madueke came on, we had more of a threat, which is what we should have had from the beginning because we have nothing to lose at this point. We're going to lose the game regardless if we don't even try. I think that's the key, right? We have nothing to lose. And so that's where I want Frank Lampard to be a little brave and say, let's play more attacking players. If they miss, it doesn't matter. We're just warming them up. We're getting them ready for next year, right? But if you come back and look at it, Rahul, we've played a back four. We've played a back three. We've packed the midfield. We've had four strikers up front. No matter what we've done this season, we've just not been able to click and score goals. I'm not defending Frank Lampard's selection by any means. I do think it could have been a little more threatening going forward but i think at this point he's just picking players who show him they want to work hard and and those are the names you're seeing conor gallagher and Conte will give you 110 percent every time they come onto the pitch they can do that they can do that when we're maybe in the lead and we need to protect something because we just need some spark and we're not getting that right yeah. we're conceding an unfortunate own goal we're then conceding in the in i think the 80th minute or something like that um and even against Madrid, we were in it for the first half, but then we're not. And ultimately, it comes back to the manager. I think we, we've said, well, this is kind of like a free hit for Lampard, and whatever happens, happens. But Chelsea or Chelsea, we're still going to have Mudrik and, and these mm-hmm. players that have, we've spent tons of money on. And suddenly, they will perform next season because that's just what you expect. Mm-hmm. But for Frank Lampard, and I know I'm maybe changing the topic a little bit, but for Frank Lampard, one win in 19 games, Jackie. His last win as a manager came in October of last year. And I know we had a month off for the World Cup, but that's still a long, long time ago. And if it wasn't Frank Lampard, it wasn't Frank Lampard, the player, the legend, Chelsea would never have hired him. So he's not helping himself. No, and we said that. We said that this was a strange move from... His part, and I know he loves Chelsea and wants to help them, but his stock has just dropped, Rahul. I can't see any foreseeable way he's back in the Premier League for the long-term future. And, of course, as soon as I say that, somebody will go, turn around and find a way to bring Frank into the job. I'm not one who's involved in behind the scenes and what's going on, so I don't know. But ultimately, I think he needs to take a break from management. It's just not working. He's tried a lot of different things, and it doesn't look good. Maybe he has to go a level below again with Derby or somebody like that and kind of reignite his passion and rediscover what his tactics are because whatever he's trying Rahul it just doesn't work and I really feel bad for him because I think he's come to us again for the second time in a tough position to help Chelsea Football Club and and we're letting him down at this point we are but I think he's also letting himself down with these lineups I I I get you want to be a tactician in those Champions League semi-final second leg but you don't need to overanalyze it for a Brentford home game, especially after we've had a week off. Uh, and 
disclaimer, I don't see what he sees in training. I don't hear some of the things that go on behind the scenes. But on the face of it, when I look at him, like Aubameyang came in, Mudra came in, Madueke came in, we automatically look better. Ja Felix was in there too. And of course, when you're pushing for a, an equalizer, mm-hmm. you tend to be better or, or more tacking. But let's just start off. Well, we ha- Again, we have nothing to lose at this point with, with what's gone down this weekend. Us getting relegated seems like a, a very tall order. Now, I'm not going to say, say we're not going it. <laughs> it's not going to happen, but... I don't know. Just play the players that. Uh, so here's the thing. I was watching an episode of Ted Lasso today, right? And this Here is from go. the second season, and it's Roy Kent talking to Isaac, the the captain. And he's like, "Just just go out there and have fun." I think that's when he pulls him out for um, that nighttime game where it's just on, you know, like a training session or whatever. And he's like, "Just go have fun. Get out of your head. Have fun. And whatever happens, happens." Right. That's what I want to see. Let's just have fun now. We have four, five, six games left. Let these players just express themselves. We're going to concede goals regardless. We might as well score a couple and, and draw a game or two here and there and pick up some points and just have fun. I would love for us to have fun. I would love for us to score a couple. But to be very honest with you, if we can score one goal in the next three or four games, I will be very impressed. I don't think this is just down to Frank Lampard. And yes, I'm saying you need to to blame the players and all. I think everybody has written the season off, which is unfortunate because you have to have some level of pride and ownership of being a Chelsea footballer. And there's something to be said about a lot of change. And we've discussed this all season. There has been so much change at the football club this year from... Roman leaving, to new owners, to four managers, to whole backroom staff changes, to physios being fired, groundsmen's being fired. And I think even the players who are starting week in, week out, Raul, some of them have never played in England. Forget Chelsea. They don't know what it is to be Chelsea. It's going to take some time. And so while I hope they go out there and have some fun, we'll have to give it till next season, honestly, my friend. We will, but let's before we move on, let's take some messages from our sponsors and then we'll be back talking about other Premier League results and then building up to the London Derby next week. So uh, we'll be right, right back, guys. The Premier Chels has partnered with Fubo TV. Fubo TV is your home for live sports and TV without a cable in the US and Canada. You can watch on all your devices, which means you don't have to miss any of the actions or goals that Chelsea score in the Premier League and Champions League. You heard that right. Fubo TV Networks broadcast Premier League, Champions League, and many other leagues and tournaments. So what are you waiting for? Start your free trial today at FuboTV.com forward slash TPC. And we're back, guys, and it's time to move away from Chelsea just for a little bit and, and focus on some of the other Premier League games and results. Jackie, I'm going to take you back to midweek. Again, I know we were both at work, but I did keep an eye on this game just because it was the big one, and, and I wanted to see how it go down. Man City versus Arsenal. Arsenal coming into it pretty bad form in the sense that they've been dropping points along the way. At one point, they were at a. At one point this season, they were at a stage where they could have gone to Man City and and even lost the game and still been ahead of them. They came into this, I believe it was five points ahead. Man City had two games in hand, uh, and so this was a head-to-head. Plus, Man City would have two other games to kind of make up the gap. So, Man City all win it four-one, but I think it could have been a lot more. It could have been. 
a day where Arsenal could have been blown away. Ramsdale keeps them in. But let's start with Man City. They, they've just started clicking at the right time of the season, correct? It seems to be the status quo. I think every time after a winter, and maybe they clicked a little bit later than what we're used to, but they have clicked for a whole. I can't remember if they've gone like 10, 12, 13 games on their typical fashion where they've not lost one. But for this game in particular, they said, we are going to send you a message and we're going to let you know the big boys are in town because they did not let up. And honestly, Rahul, I think we always talk about gears in football, right? They were playing maybe in gear two, three, but they had four, five, six, seven more gears they could have gone into and just said, no, it's clicking. Let's not even get out. I mean, Erling Haaland scores his goal with his hair flowing in the wind like he's some Viking model with no issues. And <laughs> I'm looking at this going like, this is going to be a fun, fun time to watch what happens towards the end of the season here. It definitely is, and and he breaks the record uh, on that night, and then he's obviously broke, gone ahead and tied the all-time scoring record in the season this weekend. But yeah, that that game was, I think, came at the wrong time for Arsenal because of what they had come into building up to this game. I, I, if it was maybe two, three weeks down the line, and Arsenal had recovered their form a little bit. Maybe it goes a different way, but if the first goal had was going to go to Man City, which it ultimately did, I think there was only going to be one winner. And and you saw, I mean, Man City just didn't let them let them breathe. They came in and said, this is our title. We're taking it. And and you can you've kind of kept the seat warm for us, but it's now our turn to to sit on the throne. And man, that was that's the standard, right? I think that's the standard that has been set for the last five, six years. I know Liverpool kind of snuck in there. But it just shows you how difficult it is to to compete with them and and what it's going to take. I mean, we've seen Arsenal kind of forcing their way. We've seen Liverpool forcing their way over the last couple of seasons. But Man City just do what Man City do and and just keep winning. And they almost let they almost give people a head start or give people a, a feeling that you can get back into this with Liverpool the last few seasons, and they just snatch it away from you. And, you know, one more thing I want to say about them, Rahul, is I talked about Erling Haaland, and rightly so, he gets a lot of praise this season, breaking records. But Kevin De Bruyne from midfield, and he's, you know, you talk about Manchester City doing this for years and saying, you can have a head start and we'll catch up. Or Liverpool, you might be able to win the league one year, but we'll come back and win it again. It's not a problem. But he's been a stable man in that midfield for Manchester City for the last few years for their title runs. And you've seen players go through good form and bad form, ups and downs, but what consistency from Kevin De Bruyne season after season, week after week, comes in, gets the job done, now contributing with more goals to say, not only am I the assist king, let me show you how it's done by putting a couple of goals in the net. And working well with Erling Haaland, finding a way to get those those criticisms that they were talking about with Haaland not helping, finding a way to get him into the gameplay, but he's on the other end of it. So just lovely to watch. And for Arsenal, they should be worried, really should be worried, because if Manchester City continue the way they are, I don't see how Arsenal are going to take this home. And and Arsenal themselves need to fix their form and start building again, because you never know, right? I think we've seen this a lot in the Premier League, where even with two, three games to go, suddenly things can change and and... Uh, the person sitting in second can bump themselves up. But uh, I don't think that's going to happen, and I really hope it doesn't. Even though 
you look at it, Jackie, and, and I think Man City have won four out of the last five. If they win this one, it would be five out of the last six. And as a Chelsea fan, I think, you know, we think Man City and Chelsea would get compared to like the oil derby or whatever it was because of Roman and, and, and Man City's owners. But Man City are almost taking over that kind of mantle or that, that of course, they haven't won the Champions League, but that could change soon. Um, that title of when you spend money, you just kind of get success. Well, they've showed that they've done it consistently, of course, one right. season. But um, And I think for Chelsea as the new owners, that's what they need to look at and be like, how do we get to competing with Man City and then kind of turn into this machine that, that consistently is just always there? Um, and of course, Man City won again this weekend, which has now put them top for the first time, I believe, since February. So... Uh, they've come into form at the right time. I think they're picking up results at the right time. And and one more thing I'll say, Jackie, is you never hear any of their players complaining about playing time. De Bruyne was benched earlier this season and benched for a few games. Not a word out of the camp, not a word out of him. He's, he said I had to do better. He did better. He's back in the lineup. Um, and I think that's what I credit to him, but not only him, to the group and Pep Guardiola for keeping all these players happy and when they're not playing, keeping them happy in a way that they still feel that they're contributing to the overall goal, which is winning. And last word on that, when they're not happy, they get them out of the football club. And that's right. as easy said as they've always done. So it's something like you said, Chelsea should model themselves after 30 players, unhappy dressing rooms, <laughs> get some of them out of there and let's get back to business. Let's get back to business. Jack, let's talk about another team who's competing with Chelsea for the title of, of having the worst season and firing managers, Tottenham Hotspur last weekend. Of course, Chelsea weren't playing, so I'm like, Tottenham-Newcastle should be a good game, fighting for top four. Within 10 minutes, that game was over. I, I could have turned that TV off and, and, and gone back to sleep for all. Uh, but I continued watching, and I'm glad I did because Tottenham were blown away. Uh, I think it was 5-0 in 21 minutes. and almost reminded me of when we went to Man City a few years ago and were blown away. Uh, but then I'm like, wait, hold on a second. For all the issues we've had, we haven't conceded that many goals in one game. So uh, maybe things aren't that bad. But talk to me about Spurs. They, they've just kind of hit a slippery slope and they just keep getting worse week by week. They're on that water slide now, Rahul. They're just <laughs> going full speed down with their hands up in the air, just screaming. But Honestly, it's one of those things where I think it tells you how good a manager Antonio Conte was because he could keep some of these players under control. And I mean, you don't go losing 5-0 in the first 10 minutes because you overnight became a bad footballer. It shows you your head's not in the game. You're not understanding what needs to be done. And they fired their manager right after that. And I think there's this whole stunt that came out of, oh, we'll refund our you know people that came to watch us in Newcastle some money and whatnot. But... None of that really matters. Ultimately, what it comes down to is they've made some poor decisions at the top, and that's coming from ownership. And we know a lot about poor decisions this season, right? But Daniel Levy has been there a long time, and you see how he runs the football club. I understand that they strive to make a profit, and I understand that they have this wonderful stadium. But for all of that, you have nothing to show for it. And for this season, it's the same thing, right? Barring looking at how poor we have been week after week after week, you can't just come in and get smashed six like that. And then again, we can talk about the next game. They were smashed 3-0 in a few first half against Liverpool, which shows that they're losing their focus. 
okay, they try and find a way to come back, but ultimately, I, maybe you want to talk about that game because that was a thrill in itself. Yeah, no, I, I was going to talk about the United game where they fell two down and then came back and made it 2-2. Two, two. And then, like you rightly said, they were three down in 15 minutes against Liverpool and fought their way back and even were at one point going to walk away with the point. And again, they they shot themselves in the foot. And I, I don't think it was intentional because you can see Lucas Moura is just trying to maybe lay it back to, to the defender. But... Liverpool were sharp, Liverpool were ready, and they pounced on it and scored and made it 4-3. I think it was like the 94th minute. Um, and I'm like, I should be watching Tottenham games. It's just full of goals <laughs> and thrillers and, and um, entertainment in the right way, right? Because we, we want to see Tottenham not winning. But um, <laughs> if it wasn't for Harry Kane, I think you look at it, and I think they scored, I don't want, I don't want to mess it up, but I think 22, 23 goals. And they've scored in total this season, Jackie, 57 goals. Uh, sorry, 63 goals. So you take those out, and I think they're pretty close to Chelsea where we're sitting right now in 12th. And um, that's another question, I think, for him to to figure out this summer is what he wants to do. But, man, Tottenham, Tottenham make us look good, and, and that's a pretty difficult task. <laughs> Listen, it's the most Tottenham, the most Spursy thing for Charleston to get his first Premier League goal try and win his team a draw and within 30 seconds 45 seconds they concede a goal and his goal means absolutely nothing i it can't get more tottenham than that it can and luckily it wasn't against chelsea because i'm sick of people <laughs> scoring their first goals against chelsea but let's let's move on i want to touch on the relegation fight and so southampton mm-hmm. sit bottom of the table with 24 points they were lost to newcastle today they were one up uh, but ultimately, Newcastle came back. And Jackie, I think we need to touch on Newcastle as we work our way up the table and, and before we move on to the Arsenal game. Everton, Jackie, Frank Lampard's former club, sit in 19th with 28 points. And if they don't pick it up very soon, I think Sean Dyche may actually end up going down with them, which is not what they brought him to do. But they do have a relegation six-pointer, as we say, against Leicester City, who sit right above them with 29 points, and that's tomorrow, Monday. And that game is going to be intense. It's going to be just full of entertainment in the sense that I think both teams are going to want to win that game and and try to get out of this relegation uh, zone. Nottingham Forest sit in 17th with 30 points. They're also flirting with with the bottom part of the table. Leeds United, Jackie, have been 4-1 against Bournemouth this weekend. 2-1 2-1 against Leeds the weekend before, 6-1 against Liverpool the week before that, and 5-1 against Crystal Palace. So not only are they losing, but they're getting thumped, and which is hurting their goal difference because out of uh, the five teams that we mentioned, they've got negative 24, and that's worse than Leicester. That's worse than almost Everton. So that's not good for them. And right above them is West Ham United with 34 points. So I think ultimately it comes down to one or two of Leicester City, Everton, Nottingham Forest, or Leeds going down. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I think Southampton is a little bit far behind to get caught up at this point. So, unfortunately, they're probably going to get relegated. But Everton, Leicester, Nottingham, and Leeds, I think it will go down to the last day. Like you said, these six-pointers are so important. I think if Everton beat Leicester, uh, they go above Nottingham Forest, which is then dragging Nottingham into the mix. But if Leicester win, it's the same thing. They can drag Leeds and Nottingham into the mix as well. So, 
it's really going to go down to the last day. These guys just got to keep fighting. And I don't know who I would prefer to get relegated if you're ever going to ask me that question because Nottingham is a new team. We've seen Leeds in for a few seasons. Leicester from their glory days have come back down here. Everton have been one of those clubs that we are synonymous with the, the Premier League for so many years. So it's just a disappointing one. But look, this is what makes the English Premier League so exciting and European football so exciting. We like to see this. And then it gives the opportunity for the Burnleys and those guys to come back up and try their opportunity next season. Absolutely. And if you were to pick two out of those four, not to put you on Here the spot, go. but to put you on the spot, who are you? Who do you think goes down? Do you know, it's it's so tough because I think Everton have been there since we've been growing up watching football. So they, they've never been, them been relegated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I would not like to see that. I'd like to let them continue. So maybe I'll keep them to survive. And it's so tough between the other ones. But because Leicester are maybe Premier League champions at one point, let the dream continue. So Leeds and Nottingham Forest, maybe they get sucked in and go down. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you, but only because I want John Terry and Leicester... Uh, who yeah. John Terry's at Leicester as a coach to to do well, but yeah, I think and, and Nottingham Forest, similar to Chelsea, brought in just player after player yeah. after player, <laughs> and it shows you it doesn't work. It, it disrupts the the flow, it disrupts the chemistry. Um, but again, we have to play them in a couple of weeks, and and maybe we'll gift them three points to help their their fight. Uh, <laughs> Jackie, I do want to talk to you about Newcastle before we go to our game against Arsenal. Newcastle, like everything that you should do as a new owner comes in, right? They, I think they brought in Eddie Howe. They didn't get the results. They backed him in the right way. They didn't say, well, here you go. Here's a Mudrik who's doing well in in in, in uh, Ukraine, and we're going to get him $100 million. They said, well, buy the players that can for- work in the Premier League. I think they bought, I forget the guy, Chris Wood from, from uh, Burnley. Came in, did what he had to. They said, all right, you've survived. It kept us in the league. We'll give you an, an Isaac, who now is like the second coming of Thierry Henry. Is this the model that new owners should kind of look at and be like, let's go in and, and respect the tradition of the club before we make changes? If anybody is thinking of buying a Premier League club, they should 100% be looking at grabbing all of this information, writing it down in a beautiful little notebook, stitching it up and saying, I'm going to sell this as the formula to buying a football club and doing things the right way. I'm exaggerating a little bit, right, saying that. But ultimately, the truth is you can't come in and disrupt what somebody has been doing for, in Everton's case, for a whole like 100 years. You've got to take time. You've got to make a, a change here, change there. We always call it like, when you want to win something, there's always a final piece to the puzzle. In Chelsea's case, we just blew up the board and said, let's just try and put the pieces back together, right? Newcastle said, let's take it apart piece by piece and replace each time we take a piece out, replace it with a better piece or a piece that makes more sense or fits better. So they've been fantastic to watch. They're going to be a really, really threatening in the next few years. You think Chelsea are rebuilding? Newcastle are further along in that rebuild. So it's going to be even more difficult to win the Premier League. It definitely is, and I don't think Newcastle stop with just getting the Champions League. They do want to win trophies and, and push further up the table. Uh, so massive credit to them, but I think uh, it only gets difficult from here on out because you're now in the Champions League. Hopefully, you have to manage that. You have to manage the league, and, and there's other teams around you that will obviously improve, like a Manchester United, who've had a great season, but I think they continue to push forward. Liverpool are going to be back next season. 
Tottenham should be back next season. Chelsea might be back next season. I can't promise anything. Uh, and so you're looking at it. You're like even uh, Brighton might might be pushing further up, even though they've had a great year. So uh, it's an exciting league. But let's move on to a London derby, Jackie. That earlier this season, <laughs> for those that are just listening and, and not watching, Jackie just 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 nodded and said, or just shook his head and said, "No, let's not talk about this game." <laughs> Listen, we didn't even watch the Brentford game, and I gave you my prediction saying I know we're going to lose. And this, let's 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 keep this lighthearted, positive. Go ahead and do your preview. Let's get started. Look, that's 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 what we have to do, right? In the hopes that in one of these games we'll we'll get it right and and come on and uh, come out on the right side. But it's Arsenal away. It's never an easy game. Even when we've been flying and we've gone there, we've lost to them. Uh, Arteta and Arsenal seem to have a great record against us, but. Here are some insights or some facts about this fixture. Arsenal have won four of their last five Premier League games against Chelsea, as many as they had in their previous 23 against us. So that just shows you what we've been over the last few years. Uh, we won this exact fixture 2-0 last season. If you remember, I think Lukaku made his debut. He scored the goals. And at that point, if you had told us 18 months on, we'll be sitting in 12th and Arsenal will be fighting for the league, we would have been like, what's wrong with you? Um but only once in the Premier League have Chelsea won consecutive games at Arsenal. That was back in May and November of 2009. And, and that might be because of a certain Didier Drogba, who clearly isn't there. Uh, Arsenal looking to win three consecutive Premier League games against Chelsea for the first time since February 2004. They could achieve their second league double in three seasons against Chelsea. So again, they've had a good record against us. And it doesn't come at a great time because we've been... Five games lost in a row, scored one goal in those games. Um, so it's it's almost we're just asking for us to to go there and, and lose this game. But on the off chance, Jackie, that something changes, do you see us getting a result? I'm not even going to say a win, a result here. Listen, I was shaking my head no because I was upset. But then something popped into my head. I said, no, there is positivity around this fiction. I'll tell you why. When Leicester won the league, Chelsea played a big part in kicking Tottenham to the curb and said, Tottenham, you're a bottle job. Let's show everybody how you're a bottle job. <laughs> Liverpool had a great opportunity to win the league. Who comes in to disrupt it? Dembaba from Chelsea. Look, we do this. We break people's hearts when they're so close to winning a league after so long, right? So for me, there's hope. Now what that hope means... <laughs> I don't know what it looks like, Rahul, but I have to be optimistic because you told me we got to do something. At some point, it's going to click. Yeah, at some point, it's got to click. What better time for it to click against a team we hate? We don't want them to win the league. Let's help them bottle it. They're already trying to do it on their own. Let's finish them. If we can't get the win, give Lampard to put all his defensive players like he's been doing and just sit back and Kante and Conor Gallagher. You can throw Zachariah into the mix. I don't care. Just let's make sure they don't get a result. Let's 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 keep them at bay. Look, I, I'm going to say something, right? Let me take a, a second here. Dear footballing gods, for everything that you've thrown our way this season, for all the pain and suffering that you've given Chelsea fans, not just this season, even going into last season with the two cup final losses, just let this one go our way <laughs> because that's all we need for this season. That's all we can hang on to for this season. So let this one go our way. 
and we'll help out Nottingham Forest. We can help out Bournemouth. We can help out Man City later this season. We can help out Newcastle with their top four charge. Please, footballing gods, let this one be where Chelsea gets something out of it. And then we'll give you more back in the future. All I heard was footballing devils help Chelsea pull <laughs> Arsenal down the table. Because <laughs> it wasn't the gods that's been torturing us. It's been the footballing devils this season. Whoever, whatever superpower almighty is out there that, that we can call upon to get us this result. I'm not, even a draw is okay for me because that just slows them down even a little bit more. Uh, but who, who knows? I, I didn't have any of these prayers. I think you had prayed for the Real Madrid game. I, I didn't pray back then, but this time around, I'm, I'm praying. And the other thing, Jackie, is just a personal note. I whenever I bet on a team, they don't win. So I've been betting on Arsenal the last few games and they haven't won. So you'll be sure <laughs> that for this game I will be betting on Arsenal. And if they don't win, I still win because Chelsea would get something out of it. <laughs> there you go. You have a strategy that's working in the football universe. It it absolutely is. But starting eleven, Jackie, let's let's head into that. Keppa in goal. Yeah, no point to change anything at this point in time. All right, a back three, back four. Seems like he's sticking to a three role at this point in this season. So maybe Fofana, I think he can stay in there if he's fit. Then obviously Thiago Silva, I think he's been maybe one of our best players in a season that's been so stressful for us. And then I know Kukurea has been in and out of the, the squad, and I know you know KK has been in and out of the squad, but I'd like to see Badia Shiel a little bit more. So. It's showing me that we're building for the future. So two young center backs on either side of Thiago Silva. When when you said Kukurea, I was like, do not tell me you want Kukurea <laughs> in this back three because all my prayers will not go answered. <laughs> um, all right. That, I think that's a good back three. What about a midfield four, I guess, because that's that's kind of what we've seen. Reese James is definitely out. So Espelicueta or Loftus-Cheek? Yeah, it's a tough one. I think maybe he's preferring the leadership of Aspilicueta. So probably Aspilicueta comes back in. And this might be his last season, Rahul, with the clear out that's coming. So like you said, we have nothing to lose. Aspilicueta plays out the last few games. And I want to say leaves on a high, but there's nothing high about this season for him to leave on. So if we can get a result against Arsenal, that would be the high of the season, I guess. Uh, ben Chilwell at left wing back. And midfield two of, if I had to pick, I would go with Kante and Enzo. I agree with the three out of the four. I think I would bring in a Loftus-Cheek just for a little more physicality as well as a little more pace. I'm not saying too much, but just a little more because whoever plays that side will be up against a Martinelli who's been phenomenal this season and and I think we'll need to be at our best down that side all over the pitch, but I think specifically down that side. Front three, I think Angolo Conte, Connor Gallagher, and just because things have been so interesting up front, I think maybe Hakim Ziyech plays a striker. <laughs> <laughs> you just went for the whole negative punch right there. No, I don't know. You know, it's it's difficult. I don't know if Kai Havertz is back fit, but I'd like to see him back in the starting lineup. I know people hate me for that one, but maybe not as the striker, but maybe a little deeper to help bring players into the mix. I would love to see Mudrik in this game. I think... If anybody would be fired up for a game, it might be him because he was supposed to go to Arsenal, ends up coming to Chelsea, lots of exchange with rival fans. I think it'd be a good fit for him in there. And then on the other side, as Jao Felix or Raheem Sterling, whoever can try and get in behind and 
whoever Frank Lampard prefers at that point in time. But yeah, I think those three would make a good starting 11. You said Mudrik might be the most fired up. There's one more guy in this squad that might be fired up. I don't know. But Aubameyang, that could stop Arteta from going on and winning a title. Maybe not a bad idea to throw him in and see what he can do. I think I'm just getting a little excited, but uh, I'm okay with the front three that you've proposed. Ultimately, we have to take our chances, and, and we will have chances. Will we take them is what we'll wait to find out. But I think that's a strong 11, and 11 that if if we get the first goal, I think can go out and get a result, but that's a big if. It's definitely a big if, but... We'll have to wait and see how this game plays out. We absolutely will. But, Jackie, I need a score prediction. How fitting would it be, Rahul, for us to hold them back, just frustrate them for <laughs> 90 minutes? The 91st minute, Obama Yang comes on, scores a tap-in, and we win 1-0. And he just walks up to Arteta and does the Obama Yang smile <laughs> and just says, have a good time not winning the league. So, look. I've been negative. I've been just disappointed. I've sent my prayers over the last few weeks. Let's be positive. I'm going to go for a 1-0 win to Chelsea. A clean sheet, he says, and a 1-0. Wow. (laughs) I think if that happened, Jackie, you would probably wake up and be like, wow, that was a great dream. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, look, I've taken a lot of heat online. A lot of the listeners and followers have said, this guy doesn't know football. He's always negative. He's always said these things. And sadly, I have been right. I said we'd lose against Brentford. I prayed against Madrid. Nobody listened to my prayers. So it's been tough times. Let me be positive. Maybe maybe the footballing gods in the universe will listen to us. We've set a lot of hopes and dreams. And maybe a 1-0 for Chelsea would be brilliant for us to go on a high for the rest of the season. Or if that's all we do for the rest of the season, I'm, I'm okay with it. But I think <laughs> I'm going to go with my... Well, what I think ultimately is what I'm going to bet for is a 2-1 to Arsenal. Mm. Um, it's an opportunity for them to put things right, them being Arsenal. It's an opportunity for them to kind of maybe kickstart the rest of this campaign, the remainder at least, and, and see how far they can push Man City. Because if they drop points here, Jackie, I, I don't really see them really being in the title race, title race beyond, beyond this week. And, and that would be heartbreaking for them which would be good for us but uh, <laughs> just speaking in a, as a football fan and not just specifically Chelsea I think maybe we want the title race to go a few more weeks and we want to see what Man City can do when they do have to play Madrid twice and they have an FA Cup final and maybe a Champions League final because if the title race ends in the next week or so or something like that it's kind of like Man City can start maybe resting some players and you're almost mm. strengthening them for some of the other competitions um, so I think 2-1 to Arsenal, not because I want to sacrifice our, our season for a title race, but I just think the way we've been going, the way things have been going, it's just, just it hasn't gone our way. But if there's one game to get fired up for and one game to kind of say, we're just going to throw everything here, this has to be it. Listen, losing has always been acceptable to us. And when I say acceptable, I don't mean like we're thriving and we're happy about it. But we want to see a performance. I think that's the most important thing at the end of the day is we know we're going through a rough season. Show us show us a performance and show us you're going to wake up for the derby. And this is important for me, Rahul. Whoever Frank Lampard picks and whoever he brings on, 
they should show that they care about the badge. And so ultimately, even if we lose 2-1 and Arsenal go through, I want to see them keep trying. I want to see them get shots on target. So we can only hope and say, but hopefully it's a good match. Hopefully it is. And before we, we head out and wrap it up, Jackie, I do want to touch on the Chelsea women's team who unfortunately went out to Barcelona in the semifinal of the Champions League, but put on a great fight, prevented Barcelona from winning at home for the first time, I believe, in 60 or even 60-plus games. So that's a quite an achievement in itself. It's not what we wanted. It's not where we wanted to be. But that's the football, and you have to raise your hand and say we were up against a great team and who are the favorites for the, the title. But I think we've shown between 2021, that final, and present day, we have closed the gap, and that's something to build upon. Yeah, and that's all we can hope for is that we're getting closer and closer. It's been elusive for the men's team for many years, and when we finally got it, it was just an amazing feeling. And so that's what I look as the model is that maybe it's just eluding us for a couple more years, but some things have to click sometimes to win that Champions League. They they absolutely do, and I don't think not winning the Champions League is going to define or or prove that we're not good enough or we've we've not been good enough. Uh, I think it's a lot of luck goes into it too, like we've said on the men's side. So it will happen. I believe it. It will happen at some point, hopefully sooner rather than later. But we have still have a lot to fight for, Jackie, this season. We have six more games in the WSL. Liverpool will visit the Kings Meadow on Wednesday, May 3rd. So that's a, a start for us to kind of build up and finish off the season with two titles that we could still win, which is the league and the FA Cup. Uh, so we have Liverpool, Everton, Leicester City in the league before we face Manchester United in the final of the FA Cup. We go away to West Ham. We have Arsenal at home and then Reading away last day of the season. So it's an exciting time. It's an exciting season still. And that's what we expect from, from this group, right? We expect wins. And I know that it's been tough in the Champions League. But look, there's a lot more to play for, like you just summarized. And so I'm excited to see what they can do and maybe win a few more trophies towards the end of the year. And and that's that's all we can ask for, right? So... Uh, wishing them the best. I'm sure we'll continue to cover them. Wishing the boys the best against Arsenal. Let's just do something, guys, and, and uh, put some smiles on some faces that haven't been smiling a lot this season at Chelsea. Uh, and we'll take it from there. But that wraps it up. Thank you very much for listening. Please continue to subscribe, like, and follow us. It's at the Premier Chels on all podcast providers, Instagram, and on Twitter. It's at Premier Chels. And while you're listening on Apple, Spotify, or any any other podcast providers, leave us a review. Let us reach out to be able to reach out to some other fans, connect with other fans, and maybe we'll see some of these fans on the, on our summer tour this season. But more to come about that. Uh, we will be back with a new episode. Hopefully, the football gods have answered my prayers, and we can uh, review that. But until then, stay safe and up the chills. Hey guys, the Premier Chels is sponsored by Kickoff Coffee. They are a top quality artisanal roasted coffee. In other words, they're Champions League winner and Premier League winner every single time. They deliver fresh bags directly to your home so you don't have to go to a coffee shop and pick up something. And the best part about them is every bag gives back to soccer charities. 10% of the proceeds go to organizations that use soccer to promote youth social development in the underserved areas. Use our code TPCOFFEE15 to get 15% off your order. You can order at kickoffcoffeeco.com or check out the links on our social media. Thanks.